Over the next month, members of fellowship will have the opportunity to nominate new elders to the elder board. In our church governance structure, the elder board is made up of godly men who make critical and significant decisions on behalf of our body. We are not a church with elders. We are a church led by elders. The nomination and recognition process are very important to the health of our church family. Here is what we are asking members of fellowship to do. First, please pray for the elder nomination process and discern whether you should nominate someone to the office of elder. Second, if you do have a nomination, please visit fellowshipnwa.org forward slash elder nomination and complete the online form. Please read the accompanying document entitled Qualifications of an Elder before making your nomination. If you prefer a paper nomination form, you may pick up one at the information desk in the worship center foyer at each campus. The nomination form will be attached to the qualifications of an elder document. Please mail paper nominations to the church office on the Rogers campus to the attention of the elders. The deadline for making a nomination is December 11. Please pray for your elders as we initiate the process of recognizing new elders. Finally, we thank Scott Thompson and Roger Hill for their years of faithful service as elders. They have represented you and the Lord well during their tenure. When you see them, please thank these gentlemen for their faithful service. On another note, a few of the buildings on our Rogers campus need some attention. The Family Center was completed in 1991. The Worship Center and Foyer were completed in 1999. That's a quarter of a century. The elders have approved moving forward with much needed improvements to those buildings. The cost is estimated to be approximately $4.5 million. We don't want to go into debt for this project and we have proven on initiatives of much larger scale that we can get this done if all our congregations work together. My wife Denise and I will be setting up monthly recurring gifts to do our part and I hope you will too. No gift is too large or too small. And remember, it's not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice. On the giving page of our website, you will find capital improvements. You can make a contribution there or set up recurring gifts. We already have $1.3 million in donations, so we are well on our way. God continues to do great things through Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. Thank you for playing an active role in this great ministry. God bless you, everyone. Welcome to Fellowship. My name is Abel Schaefer. This is Sarah Oberman, and we are happy to be with y'all this morning. Fellowship's mission statement is to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. And today, we get a good visual of some future spiritual leaders. So we get to be, take part in a child dedication. So I want to invite up these kids and their parents. Kids, bring your parents up here. And we're going to have a, uh, a time where we get to be together. Um, child dedication is not just for these kids, and it's not just for the parents, it's for all of us. So many of you are going to be part of their spiritual journey, their spiritual formation. 
whether you lead an elementary ministry, early childhood, FSM, or maybe some of these families are in your community group, uh, you can have an impact um, on these kids' lives. I got to uh, think about this recently. My son will turn 18. Uh, he's my second oldest. will turn 18 on December 21st. And I, I texted a bunch of uh, men who have had an influence in his life. We're going to have a little, a little manhood ceremony coming up. And as I started thinking about it, I'm like, man, there's some generations represented here. In fact, we'll have men in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s that will get together and we'll, we'll talk about what being a godly man is with my son. And so um, it's fun to think about down the road uh, with these kids. Um, a definition of discipleship I really like is life and truth transference in the context of an authentic relationship for the purpose of producing reproducers of Jesus. Let me say that one more time because it's a mouthful. Discipleship is life and truth transference in the context of an authentic relationship for the purpose of producing reproducers of Jesus. And parents, y'all are on the front row. <laughs> y'all get to do this day in, day out with these kids, and we're excited for you to be part of that journey. Yeah, and one of the great parts about this being part of this church body is that we all get to come alongside these precious babies up here as they come to know Jesus and follow him. And in our early childhood ministry, it is truly a joy to get to be some of the first people um, to come in alongside these kids and teach them who Jesus is um, alongside their families. And we um, teach them that God made them, God loves them, and that Jesus wants to be in relationship with them. If you've been around fellowship for a while, you know that we don't babysit and we don't do childcare, we disciple. And that starts from the time they hit our early childhood ministry as babies up through 18. <laughs> and um, children get to just come be discipled and come to know who Jesus is and how to follow him and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we believe baptism should happen when a believer professes their faith in Christ. But today, for these little ones, we can make this a stake in the ground moment. As we, a body of believers, commit to walking alongside them and teaching them to follow Jesus. You think about Hannah dedicating Samuel. Think about Jesus being consecrated in the temple. We get to be a part of committing these kids to the Lord. Yeah, so we would love to introduce these precious families to you all, starting on the other end by Abel. We've got Kayla and Jesse Kosovic with Whitaker. And then we have Cameron and Hayden with Graham, Tim and Ellen with Lewis, Ben and Hallie with Nolan, Werner and Liz with Jackson and Zaneda, and Tyler and Olivia with Ansel. Mm -hmm. Parents, raising kids is one of the hardest things you will ever do. Can I get an Amen. But it's also the most rewarding and fulfilling. God has given you the weight of guidance and care for his creation, these kids. They're still his, but he has given these kids to you to raise them, and it's an honor. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So I want to encourage you all, invest in your relationship with Jesus. That will have the biggest impact on your kids' lives. Um, we can't take too much credit 
and some can't take too much blame for, for these kids, right? They're independent, moral, spiritual beings, but we want to do our part in raising them. So I want to give you all a chance to affirm your commitment to raising these kids in the Lord. Parents, do you commit to loving your kids with Christ-like love, leading them through humility, apologizing to them when you mess up, teaching them God's word, encouraging biblical community, and shepherding them as a gift from the Lord? If so, say, we will. Amen. All right. I want to invite up uh, family and friends uh, of these families as we're going to move into a little time of prayer. As a congregation, probably our greatest discipleship tool is prayer, right? And so rather than asking you all to pray at some time in the future, we're going to take some time during this service to pray together. So you'll see uh, names on the screen and just pray for these kids um, as they will be prayed for by family and friends. So we'll take uh, a minute or two and uh, pray over these kids. And then I'll close us. Lord, we do pray for these kids. We pray that they would give their lives to you at a young age. We pray that you would be their master, Lord, that they would um, come under your guidance and your leadership. Lord, pray that you would put them on your mission to make disciples who make disciples. Lord, we pray that if they are going to get married one day, that you would give them a godly mate. Lord, we pray for each of these uh, parents that you would give them humility, give them patience. Pray that the fruit of the Spirit would be present in each of these homes. Lord, that you would uh, just have love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control be part of these homes. Lord, pray for these kids and we lift them up in the powerful, matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, would you all encourage these families with applause? all of you this morning. Well, we know that especially this time of year, we can get pretty busy and our schedules can get pretty full. And so we just want to start this morning by 
just settling in to this hour that we have together by just taking a deep breath. So you can go ahead and do that. And we just wanna invite you to still your bodies and your heart this morning as we fix our eyes on Jesus. And so I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna try and just start this morning by slowing down. So Father, we do just commit this time to you. We give you our cares and our worries and all of the to-dos on our mind. And we just fix our eyes on you in this unique time where we're gathered in your name. And would you just meet with us and help our minds and our hearts just be aware of your presence, not just in this hour, but throughout our days in all the tiny moments that you show up and in the big ways too. So we just give you this time.
when my mic wasn't on. Thanks for standing. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in
take a seat. And this morning, as we have celebrated Christ and his work in our life to bring us peace, we also want to turn our attention to the baptism as we celebrate life change. Uh, good morning. Uh, if you're a family or friend of Gerald and I, we want to go ahead and invite you guys up to our personal splash zone here. <laughs> I'm Ellie. Uh, I was blessed to grow up in a missionary family, seeing strong examples of Christ followers. Being surrounded by the hands and feet of Christ, I was eager to accept Jesus in my heart. That being said, I immediately accepted Christ at the age of four when my parents asked. As I grew up, my faith would sway. Sometimes I'd go through spiritual droughts and allow myself to be influenced by the world. Other times I'd find myself in a spiritual oasis. The other day, we were reading a devotional passage that described Peter's life. It said, Peter was constantly fumbling around in his spiritual journey, putting his foot in his mouth, misunderstanding things, yet God still lets him experience miraculous things. For example, for example sorry, uh, Peter boldly walked on the water with Jesus, but as soon as he saw the waves, he got scared. He took his eyes off Christ and started to sink. I felt it related to my own walk with Christ so much. But for all of Peter's blunders, Jesus kept walking with him and grew him into a wise apostle. Just as I stumble and fumble, Jesus continues to walk with me. Our study of Philippians couldn't have come at a more perfect time. I'm going through health problems. I have fears and anxiety. But I also have joy in this chaos and peace that makes no sense. God is using this hard time to make me grow. And as uncomfortable and hard as this process is, I feel Jesus walking with me through this season. As we approach Thanksgiving, I can't think of a more perfect time to thank God for his ultimate sacrifice and publicly proclaim him as my savior. I'm Ellie's dad, and I have to tell you, it is an awesome privilege to be able to baptize your kids. So, Ellie, in front of this family of believers, and based on your public confession that Jesus is the one and only one that can uh, give you forgiveness of your sin and bring you into a right relationship with God, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of his resurrected life. Unfortunately, I have to follow up after that. I am Gerald McTire. I grew up in a broken home with seven other siblings. My father walked out on us when I was around three years old. Without that father figure in my life, I didn't have someone to guide me. As I grew, I simply wanted to be accepted and loved. I would follow the example of my peers and did things that I'm not proud of. I should have ended up in jail or worse. But by God's grace alone, he plucked me out of that lifestyle and pulled me into his safe embrace. I start, it started with a youth leader visiting the game room at my college every day. He came to talk to us and invited us for fellowship and food at his home. 
I heard this little voice inside telling me to go see what it was all about. It also could have been my stomach. <laughs> After that, I consistently went and my curiosity continued to grow. I accepted and believed Jesus sacrificed himself for everyone, but I struggled to believe that everyone included me. I was not good enough. How could he love me for all the sins I have done? It has taken time to overcome that hurdle. I realized I could not do this by my own strength alone, but needed to lean on Christ. God has surrounded me with godly men like my father-in-law, men at work, and the men of my home group. I am still learning, and I know I, make, I will make mistakes. But like the prodigal sons, I can always run to the ultimate father. Jesus did die for me, despite all my sins. And today, I proudly proclaim Jesus Christ as my savior. So, Gerald, before this congregation of believers, and based on your public profession of faith, that Jesus is the only one that can clean you from your sins and bring you into a right relationship with God, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of his resurrected life. All right, we can go. Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. While you're being seated, repeat this after me. T-N-R-P-L-A. One more time. T-N-R-P-L-A. Now let's put it all together. T-N-R-P-L-A. Oh, that was just about a third of you. T-N-R-P-L-A. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Say that. True, noble, right, 
pure, lovely, admirable. That's how I memorized that section of Scripture, and we're going to talk about that a lot today. But before we do, could we take a moment to pray? And I want to uh, share with you that uh, the podcast that I do is called The Ride Home. And uh, recently, I called Dr. Mark Bailey, who's a chancellor, chancellor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and did an interview with him about what is the Christian's response to what is going on in Israel right now. And so he gives a great deal of perspective, as well as history and facts. And so I would encourage you uh, to listen to that and just get Dr. Bailey's perspective. It'll, it'll cause you to think, and you can't learn less, Right. So I encourage you to do that and also encourage you as I talk to my friends in Israel, the things that they say over and over, please pray for us. Please pray. And so let's remember to do that and let's do that right now. All right. Oh, God and Father, we come before you and, and in this service, we ask God that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Lord, draw us near to yourself and give us that deep desire to be more like you. Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us, and we ask you to forgive us where we fall short. Lord, we pray for the situation in Israel right now, for the innocents who are caught in the midst of this war. Lord, we pray for them. We pray, Lord, for peaceful resolutions in the end, Lord, that, uh, God, that your hand would be over that situation. Lord, you've instructed us in Psalms 122 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and that should ever be on our hearts. And so we ask the Lord for your peace. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. PNR PLA. You can find that podcast, by the way, on Apple or Spotify or on our new app. Well, this is the week of Thanksgiving, so I want you to uh, just repeat this phrase after me every time I read a phrase, and let's think about this week being the week of Thanksgiving. Boy, it just comes sooner every year, doesn't it? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone who does great wonders. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and stars to govern the night. To the one who remembered us in our lowest state. Who freed us from our enemies. Who gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Indeed, his love endures forever and we want that to be at the center of our celebration of Thanksgiving. That kessed, that word for love there, it's, it's kessed. We have no English word that truly captures the essence of that word because it's the love of God. That's what he has for us. And so I hope this week we will spend this week of Thanksgiving being grateful to God for everything he's done to us and acknowledge that in your times of prayer as you walk with God, as you look around at all the wonderful things he's created. It's also a good opportunity for you to remember people in your life to whom you may need to express thanksgiving to them for what they've done in your life. Now, over the years, when I've, I've thought of a teacher or a mentor or a leader or someone who has influenced my life in some way, I've taken the time to just sit down and write them a note. 
And at some point, if I hear that they've passed away, especially those who taught me early in life and imparted good things to me, I'm so glad I connected with them before they passed away, while I had the opportunity to do so. And so I encourage you, just give that some thought this week. I was watching television one time, and a sports commentator was uh, interviewing Lou Holtz, Coach Lou Holtz. And they went through all the sports interview stuff, and, but Coach Holtz's wife had just passed away, and the commentator said, Coach Holtz, I want to express, express my condolence for your wife's passing. And he said, thank you. He said, we've just been overwhelmed with the calls and the cards and the flowers. He said, I just wish people had done that while she was alive. Woo, drop the mic, Lou. That stung a little bit. But it's true, isn't it? It's true. We should make the opportunity and make the time to express our gratitude to people while they're still here. And so think about that this week and make it a part of your celebration of Thanksgiving. Christina Rossetti once wrote, were there no God, we in this glorious world would be grateful with no one to thank. We'd be grateful with no one to thank because we all know that it's God who is the source of what we need to be grateful for. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Over half the pilgrims who set out aboard the Mayflower died in that first winter of 1620 and 21. That spring they planted crops and hoping for a good harvest. And sure enough, they did have a good harvest, and it led William Bradford to issue a Thanksgiving proclamation. That it became a national holiday for us is, is in great part attributed to a lady by the name of Sarah Hale. She was the founder and editor of a magazine for women in Boston. And through her editorials and many letters to President Lincoln, he was urged to establish a proclamation of a national holiday of Thanksgiving in 1863. It would be on the last Thursday of November. And so we celebrate it this week. Thanks be to God for all you've done for us, Lord, and thank you for the reminder. Well, today we're in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and Mark left us last week with this thought. Verse 5, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your gentle spirit, as he taught us, be evident to all. Are you one who carries with you a gentle spirit? Or is there angst and anxiety in your wake? Do your kids look forward to you getting home or your coworkers? Or do they look forward to you walking in? Or do you cause anxiety when you walk in? You, the first thing you're going to do is, is, is point out everything that wasn't done or everything that's wrong. I feel like that sometimes. And if you're not self-aware, you might ask the people around you who know you best. Do, do, do I bring anxiety and angst in my wake or, or do I have a gentle spirit? Paul says it's important to be a gentle-spirited one because the Lord is near. It's a double meaning there, I think. I think it's true that the Lord is near, but also in the context of the passage, he's coming back. He's coming back, and this is our opportunity to become more and more like him in this life. That's that process of sanctification where we're separated unto God and from the world. This is our opportunity, so be a gentle-spirited one. Christians are to be known for their gentle spirits. And, and don't give me that baloney about, oh, that's just the way I am. That's just the way God made me. No, 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 no. 
When we say that, it just tells us that we've become comfortable with our deficiencies and we don't want to change. No, we are to change. And when we read something from the Word that tells us how we're supposed to be, we need to pursue that. God is ever near. He's coming back. Verse 6, let's jump into this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. How many of us struggle with anxiety from time to time? Anxiety and worry. Some of you are a little slow getting up that hand, but you're there. We all do. We all struggle with being anxious about something or worrying about things. My grandmother, she was the world champion worrier. I'm here to tell you. Even when I was in high school, I could see across the field, her kitchen light would be on until I shut the door on my car. That would make me so mad. It was terrible, terrible to be loved by someone that much. Worry, 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 worry. It'll kill you eventually if you don't do something about that. Worrying about things, just taking responsibility for things over which you have no control. That's what worry is. We need to let go and let God do what he does best, and that's be God. Let him have it. He says, don't be anxious about anything because the anxiety tends to corrupt your ability to be gentle, doesn't it? If you're all anxious and tied up in knots inside about something and somebody says something to you, you're just liable to lash out at them because you're just, you're just not thinking. It's because you're all just wound up about something. So Paul gives us the best prescription of all for the anxiety to di disease because we, we all have stress. Okay, Stress is a natural part of life, but it, it, it's destructive when you have distress in your stress, when you're worried about those things you can't control. So Paul gives us a prescription that works every time. Isn't it frustrating when you get a prescription that doesn't work? Well, this one works every time. So listen carefully to what Paul has to say. He says, but in every situation, not some situations, every situation, this works. Take this pill and keep in mind where Paul was when he was writing this. Anytime we read one of the prison epistles, an epistle is just a letter. Anytime we read one of those prison epistles, from the New Testament, we need to remember where he was. When he was writing this, he knew all about anxiety and stress because he was in that Mamertine prison there in Rome, a damp, dark, stinking prison. They actually commemorate the cell where he was in that prison today. Both he and Peter, they think, were in that particular cell. A dark, ugly place that they would actually let them down by a rope into the cell. There was no way out unless they pulled you out. So he understands anxiety. He understands pressure. His prescription is this. It's communion with God. And he gives us four words to describe it. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, and request. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving, and request. Let's look at the first one. By prayer. This describes the believer's approach to communing with God. Paul is assuming that the Philippian believers pray. We pray, don't we? Do we pray? You know, we're told to pray continually. You know, pray without ceasing in the older versions. We pray without ceasing. That we're always to be in that 
constant state of communion with God, and that is a very, very good thing to do because when we're communing with God, when we imagine that God is right there beside us, when the presence of God is with us, we behave, don't we? If you think that God is right there with you, which he is all the time, then you'll behave. We'll behave. We won't say those things that we might say otherwise. We won't do those things that we might do otherwise if, if, if we realize that God is with us. We just become aware of his presence. Hopefully, we don't just pray over the spaghetti. Hopefully, that's not the only time that we call on the name of the Lord. And remember, every time we call his name, he never turns his face away. He always listens. He always hears. He's, al he's always responding to our request. He says, by prayer and petition. What is this? That's emphasizing specific requests to God. Specific requests. Even the smallest thing. Don't think that you're bothering God. Even the smallest thing, the little bitty things, if it matters to you, it matters to him. And, and, and the beauty of prayer is this. It's not that we get more of God. It's that God gets more of us. God gets more of us when we pray. There's nothing more beautiful than you, a believer, bowing your head before God. Think of that image. Bowing your head before God because that's an act of worship. In doing so, we are recognizing that he is everything and that we are nothing. That we are dependent on him for everything. And so even the smallest request, saying it over and over and over again, is an act of worship, and it pleases God by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, giving, accompanied by thanksgiving, and we get our word Eucharist from this Greek word. Eucharist, communion, the Lord's Supper. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are thanking him as we remember the price that he paid for us. Eucharist, with thanksgiving, an attitude of the heart. Present your requests to God. The way to be anxious about nothing is to pray about everything. That's pretty simple, isn't it? The way to be anxious about nothing is to pray about everything. Letting go of the rope and letting God be God. He says, present your request to him. It's just like, okay, I can't handle this. I'm bringing it before you, God. But how many of us will spend a week stewing over something before we ever take it to God? We get angry, we get better, we get angry again. Then we get sad, we get mad. When we could have just taken it to him to start with. Just pray. Present your requests of God. And now we see the result and aspect of this. And the peace of God, the promise, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. This understanding of peace denotes a state of being. Not an action, but just a state of being. It will come over you. And the peace of God that we will dwell in forever. The peace of God. I want you to think about that for a minute. That what we will enjoy one day forever. You might just close your eyes and think about it. No more pain. No more sadness. No more tears, no more worry, 
That's the peace of God. That transcends all our understanding. It, it is incomprehensible to us. God is incomprehensible. What he wants to do for us, what he has done for us, is incomprehensible. You try to describe, describe the very nature of God, it's more than we can imagine. We're so finite in our understanding, and he is incomprehensible. That peace of God which transcended all of our ability to understand, he says, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This was a military metaphor. It's a military word, and as you've studied Philippians, you know this was a military town, and so they understood this, and he's saying God's peace will be like a garrison of soldiers surrounding you, protecting you, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will be like a garrison of soldiers guarding you from worry and from fear, from that anxiety, and we need that. We need that. Because let me tell you, there is a battle raging for your heart and mind. You don't believe that? Turn on the TV. Turn on the radio. Listen to some podcasts. Look at social media. You think there's not a battle for your heart and mind? You think there's not a battle for, your, for the heart and mind of your children and your grandchildren? It is there. We need this peace. We need this assurance. We need the confidence that comes from, from a right relationship with God. Perfect peace. I want to share with you a, a quote, a little paragraph written by F.B. Meyer, and I hope you'll go uh, to our app later on and copy this down because it, it's so good. And I want you to listen carefully to it. Dark hours come to us all. Yes? Dark hours come to us all. So we're all in here. And if we have no clue to a peace that can pass unbroken through the murky gloom, we shall be in a state of continual dread. Any stone flung by a chance passerby may break the crystal clearness of the lake of peace and send disturbing ripples across it. Anyone passing by can disturb that lake of peace. And then he says, unless, unless, look at this, unless we have learned to trust in the perpetual presence of him who can make and keep a great calm within the soul. Only let nothing come to you which you shall not instantly hand over to him. All petty worries, all crushing difficulties, all inability to believe. Right when it comes, say, Lord, this is you. You can handle this. I can't. And give it to him and watch his peace come over you. Let's get even more practical and let's look at some triggers here. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, dwell on such things, reflect on such things. And we could read a list like this and go, yeah, yada, yada, yada. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. PNR, PLA, got it. 
We need to spend more time on it than that. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, think about such things. You got to focus on it. You know, I didn't share this with the other service, but I'm going to share it with you, no extra charge. You know, when something comes your way and you just can't get it out of your mind and you're dealing with it, it's just there, it's just there, it's just there, you can't do it. And you can't stop thinking about it. Do you struggle with that? Yeah. We just can't get it out of our head. But here's what you do. I want you to pretend right now that right beside me, right here, I want you to picture it in your mind. God's given you a wonderful, creative mind. Picture it. There is right here beside me, it's a yellow elephant with green polka dots, and he's dancing. Picture that right there. Yellow elephant with green polka dots. Now stop thinking about it. You can't. You can't. All you can think is yellow and green right here. Okay, but now here's what I want you to do. Here's how to stop thinking. about. I want you to think of a purple elephant with pink polka dots right there. Purple. See, you can't stop thinking about it, but you can replace it. You can't stop thinking about it, but you can replace it with something else. And that's what Paul is saying here. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things. Hand those things that cause anxiety over to God. Let him take that. And you think about this. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. We're going to come back to that. But Paul finishes by saying, whatever you have learned or received from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. That's a promise. He's telling them that this pattern, this prescription that he's giving us is resultant. If you do these things, then you will have that peace of God. Paul is not saying that he's perfect. Just do what you've seen me do. No, this is what he's saying. He's saying, you know me. I've been in prison. I've been beating, beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been through all these things. And let me tell you something. It worked for me. It will work for you. It worked for me in all these circumstances. It will work for you. That's how Paul was able to stay with it. All the way to his death. So let's go back for a moment. Uh, many of you were given a card this morning, but I think they ran out. Uh, we're given a card. Uh, oh, you, have, you got more. Raise your hand if you didn't get a card. They found them hidden somewhere. Raise your hand, and uh, we'll get those to you. Thank you, Ruth. Get those cards to you, but I, I want to look through those for a moment. <clears throat> and what I have listed for on the back of this card, reflect on these things. I hope you will keep it in your Bible. And then when you find yourself stewing over something, just pull this out. And what I've done is given you some examples of true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. And then I've given you space to put some other bullet points beside it. Right here, Hunter. Come this way here. Uh, I see a couple of people. Re lift your hand high and they'll get right to you. Yeah, just start slinging them out there, Hunter. Um, but it's also online and on our app. If you don't get a copy of this, you can go online and, and, and get that and, and print one up for yourself or print one up for some friends who bring anxiety your way. <laughs> Um, when I, yeah, that's another idea, isn't it? True. So when you pull this out, think about something that is true, reliable, trustworthy, genuine. When I think about, you know what I think about? The word of God. 
I think about the word of God. To memorize the word of God and bury it deep in your heart. And then when those anxieties come, when those troubles come, when the worries come, the word of God begins to bubble to the surface. Now, if you wait until you're in the middle of that crisis or that worry and anxiety, it's tough to open this book and, and, and just start reading. It's tough to concentrate when a crisis comes your way. So you got to bury it in here. I went to see a gentleman the other night. He, he's about to pass away. They say he won't make it till Thanksgiving. And I was standing there by his bed. He and I were talking. You know what he was doing? He's just quoting scripture. It was bubbling to the surface. Now, I made my wife stand up in the last service and confess something. Uh, I memorize a lot. But, and people say to me, oh, memorization comes so easily to you. And she confessed with me, no, it doesn't. I just have to work hard at it. And you have to be consistent with it. She's sitting in the car with something I printed out. And she's, I'm repeating it to her. And she's making sure I get every word of it right. You have to work at it. Make it a part of your life. Bury the word of God deep in your heart. And when those tough times come, it bubbles to the surface. Let the Holy Spirit do his work and causing those scriptures to come to the surface. Then noble, honorable, reputable, moral. And what I think about when this, I think about honorable people who've influenced my life. We got a few down front here, Hunter. I think about people. Think about a person who's influenced your life, who's made a difference in your life. Of course, think about the life of Jesus. That's the first place we go. But you know who I thought about? I thought about someone, Billy Graham. I thought about his life of consistency, of walking with God. Was he perfect? No. No one but Jesus is. But think about someone in your life who has influenced you in such a way through their consistency that all of a sudden when you're in the midst of this, you think, you know what? That Tom Stockdale, I want to be like him. And maybe it will just inspire you towards something you have seen in someone else. True, noble, right, just, fair, impartial. Think about righteous words and actions. Think about quotations, maybe like the one that I put up here for you a little while ago, something that someone has said that, that inspires you. I have a lot of quotes that I've collected over years, about 60 pages, probably more than that now. That was the last time I counted 60 pages of quotes that inspire me, things that people have said. And sometimes I just go reading through those. Pure, whatever's clean, wholesome. You know what I thought about with this? Something to just kind of take me away. I think about water. I think about those pure streams running through the mountains that I've seen. I think about snow and how when the snow falls, it covers the scars of the earth. That takes me a place to thinking about purity. Think about what is right. Think about what God has made. The fresh air that we breathe, it takes me to another place. It takes me away from my cares and my worries for a moment. Whatever is lovely, beautiful, majestic, scenic, God's creation. And different things will do it for you. You know what I love? And this might surprise you. I love flowers. Don't send me any. But I like to grow flowers. I like to propagate little African violets because I think that's just the most beautiful color of purple. And I love it when those little flowers bloom. When I think about flowers, how creative our God is and how many colors he created. 
Just something that takes you to that place of remembering the magnificence and the incomprehensibility of our God. And then admirable, commendable, worthy, good. I think about opportunities to serve other people. You know, there's always that. But Samaritan Community Center was born out of our church by a group of people who wanted to make a difference in the lives of other people. There's always a place to serve here. Always. And I'm inspired by people who serve. And I think about a, a, a quote that I have by a, a psychiatrist, world-renowned psychiatrist, and, and someone asked him one time, what would he do if he felt depression coming on? And I, I think they thought that he might think about a, a certain therapy he might get or a pill he might take. But this is what he said. If he felt depression coming on, he said, I would get out of my bed and I would put on my coat. I would walk out my front door and across the tracks and I would go help someone in need. He said, that's my answer for depression. The opportunity to do something admirable, to serve others, to make a difference in someone's life could totally change your circumstance. You see, it's a prescription that works. TNR, PLA, pure, lovely, admirable. And so let's find those practical ways that Paul gives us to change the way we think so that the peace of God, which transcends all our ability to understand, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Word of God gives us answers. And so right now, if you would just take a moment to reflect on these things, on the true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Just take a few moments and just give it to God. Say, God, I haven't, I haven't done this like I ought to do. I haven't done what your words told me to do. I, I want to change that. Just think through each of those words. Write something underneath it that impacts you. And the God of peace will be with you. Whoa. 
that again. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you that the presence of you is what creates peace. Thank you that in your infinite plan, Lord, it is by our prayer, our petition, our giving thanks, our submitting our requests unto you, and your plan and your purpose that you give us the gift of peace. So entering this season where there will be a lot that comes our way that tries to take that peace, which is really just that presence with you. Help us remember to think on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, We know you can do it by the power of your spirit because you care for each of us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Well, family, this morning, I'm thankful. I'm thankful in the spirit of Thanksgiving that we get to worship together, that we go from here and there's a lot of things that happen, but we come back together and we have this common goal, this common value, this common belief that pulls us back into right standing and right belief with God. So if we can join you this morning and pray with you, our prayer team is here. If you can share a burden or share a joy, we would love the opportunity to do that. And if it's your first time here, we're really glad that you're here. Please connect. There's a connections booth. Talk to somebody, meet somebody, and let us invite you into that peace with Christ. So go, let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts richly this week.